Right then, we're continuing. Well, actually, this is the last in our series of In His Presence. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. So I've got the great privilege of wrapping up the series. So let's have a look at who God is for a moment. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Isaiah 57. And it's starting at verse 14. And it says this. Build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of the people. And of course you might remember this passage of scripture. This is what John the Baptist said as he was preparing for Jesus, the God from heaven who became a man to come with us. Come to us, prepare, remove the obstacles, he said. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. I'm not accused forever, nor will I always be angry, for then they would faint away because of me, the very people I've created. We see from this passage of Scripture two things, the very nature and the being of who God is, and his desire to remove barriers that separate us from him, that he may come to us. Now here's the thing, it starts off with saying, this is what the Holy One says, for I am exalted, the one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and exalted place. So basically what God is saying here is that I am like no other, I am actually beyond reach. When it says I am exalted, it is, he is exalted High above everything, beyond reach. We cannot reach him. The theological word is transcendent. It means that he is, he is completely, totally above and separated from everything in creation. The nature of God, the nature of who he is, is that he is totally and completely separate from everything in existence. There is no one like him. He is what they call the causeless cause. What does that mean? Nothing caused God. He has always been, and before anything was created, before space was created, before time, before matter, you, you and I, as we think about it, can't actually understand. We can't conceive it. He, I mean, ha, space, he had created space. Before anything, any created thing, he existed. And he existed without cause. He was always there. And out of his very being, he caused everything to be created and to happen. He is the causeless cause. And because he is the causeless cause and he is completely separate and totally, the theologians call this word, he is other. Now you think, well, that's a bit of a strange term. He is other. What does it mean? 
It's, it's a word just to describe that he is incomparable. He is unique. There is nothing, no one, no being like him or can even compare with him. Unique, other, separate. It's not like saying, oh, there are many different types of fruit in this world. There's pomegranates and grapes and pears, and they're all very distinct, but they all come in this fruit category. No, there is no, you can't even, there is no other category for him. And because he's saying this, he says he is high and lifted, exalted up, and he lives and inhabits, actually the Hebrew word is he inhabits an eternal dwelling. He inhabits eternity. In other words, his living space is also unique because it is not created. It's not a created living space. It's not this universe. He was before the universe created. So he is high, exalted up, eternal, completely other, unreachable, untouchable, unapproachable. It says he lives in inapproachable light. This is the nature of our awesome, powerful, omnipotent power without end, no limit. I am exalted. And Isaiah, who wrote this, had a revelation. He says, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and lifted up, exalted. And his train filled the temple. And out of this experience, he is now being used by God to describe what cannot be described and communicate what cannot be communicated and bring to our understanding that really is beyond our understanding. Unreachable. On one level, unknowable. Living in irreproachable light. This is, one, this is the statement about the complete, majestic, transcendent, glorious, incomparable God. But, on the other hand, he says, nevertheless, I dwell also with the contrite and the lowly in spirit. The mystery of the presence of God with us. The mystery, the paradox. What do I mean? You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. Your minds cannot figure it out. But it's true, these opposing truths. The whilst on the one hand, he is the causeless cause, completely other, separate. And holy means to be separate by being separated. He comes And he dwells with us. The word that is often used, that he condescends, he comes down to us, to our level. Like this father here, condescending. The actual picture I chose here is this this father is lying on the floor next to his kid. Let me show you. He's lying on the floor, building the blocks with his son. He's condescending to come right down to this little boy's level. 
That's what our God's like. That's who he is. High and exalted. And yet he has this heart that is a heart of love that reaches out and reaches down. And this is the nature and the being of God and we see it throughout history in the pages of scripture. This is in his DNA. Let's think about it for one moment. It talks about, we see the story of the tabernacle, how he tabernacled, which represented the presence of God. Where was the presence of God, the throne of God? In the middle of the community of God's people. That's where he chose. He came right in the middle. And then they built a temple of God for the people. And Jesus came and he tabernacled amongst us. God became man and he came amongst us. And the whole history, the whole history of God's story is that he just keeps coming down to be with us. Even though he's unreachable. And he takes the initiative. And yeah, the other beautiful thing is this, that he's come through Christ. And Jesus says, it's good for me to go away, that the Holy Spirit may come. And he's now come. And where does he tabernacle now? Where does he live now? Where is his presence now? It's with you. It's upon you. And this God who is unreachable, unknowable in one sense, by the very nature, because our minds really can't understand the very nature of this uncreated, separated God that's out time of us, time, space, world. Now where does he live? He lives with you. He lives upon you. He lives in you. He lives in you. And his presence is not just with you, but it's within you. And the beautiful thing is he sends you. He brings his presence through you <laughs> to others. And we enter into this incredible partnership with God where he is unreachable and in one sense unknowable, but then he, in the mystery of it, he's made himself known and he's not only unreachable, he's within us and now he sends us and even through us he can be known and reached as we are sent. As the Father sends me to reveal the Father, I send you to reveal the Father. And his presence comes through you as well because you are carriers of the Holy Spirit. I was starkly reminded this, again, as I shared the story not so long ago when I was going to get some food just before Christmas and Anna, the big issue sales lady, was there. And I looked at her and I could see that she was in physical distress. She, I, her, she really, really looked quite physically distressed. That's the best way I could say it. And, and I thought it was because of the cold. So I, I went up to her and said, are you okay? And as I shared the story, she was in absolute pain because of some condition in her back, and she had pain all the way through her legs. Um, and I said, well, you know, you know, in our church we pray for people, so can I pray for you? She said, yes. I took her to one side, four steps to one side, outside the supermarket door. And what shocked me was this, is this. I said this, Father, thank you that you love Anna. I didn't even get to finished the prayer that she would be healed and bang the presence of God fell upon her and she immediately burst into tears and was healed completely in that moment as she was also suffering from a, a, a very nasty chest infection she was on antibiotics and I, I could 
partly the reason why I could see she was in distress, because her, her face was glowing, and, and, and it seemed like shiny and perspiring, and it was the infection, it was the fever that she was suffering from. But of course, she was a big issue sales lady. She needed to get some money in. So that, she was there, you know, working through the cold, and the first thing I noticed about her, apart from the pain had gone, her face became flat. The fever had gone immediately. And the pain, she got healed. And I didn't, I didn't even know she needed healing from a chest infection. So I didn't, I, that wasn't even my consciousness. I didn't even get to pray it. I didn't get to say the words, be healed of your back. This is the point I'm trying to make. All I said is, Father, thank you that you love her. And bang! Then the Father came in his love and his presence healed her. That's what he does. He's a God who, though he's far off and holy and perfect and exalted and not like us, he keeps condescending. He's coming down. He keeps reaching out to be close through us through his presence. He's done it through the history of Israel. He's done it through Christ. And now he's with us by his spirit. And as we go in the power of the Holy Spirit and bring Christ to people, he even brings his presence to people through you and I. And we're nothing like God, <laughs> except that he has chosen to reach down to give us his presence. So what are the conditions for him dwelling with us? Well, let me make this clear. It's not our own holiness. It's not our own holiness. We cannot be holy like God. We, he is unequal and unrivaled. It's not in our own exalted greatness or status, like our power, our competence, our ability, our own strength. That's not, that's not going to cut it. It's not got nothing to do with that. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with this. It's not our perfection, our own righteousness, being good enough, holy enough, spiritual enough, Loving him enough, it's, that's, that's not qualifies it. That's, a, that's not what brings this presence to us. Isaiah, when I quoted earlier, in the year that Isaiah, uh, I, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high exalted, and the angels cried, holy, 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 holy. It didn't get past holy in a worship meeting. <laughs> holy, holy, holy. And then... Isaiah, when he saw the amazing purity, holiness, majesty, power, might, exalted nature, separate, transcendent, completely other. Oh my goodness, this is what happened. He saw his condition compared to God's condition and he fell on the floor. He says, whoa, it's me, I'm ruined, I'm undone. When he saw who God was, he realized, oh my goodness, I'm done for. There is no good, no worth, no stature, no strength. There is nothing in me that can ever, ever cause me to qualify to know his presence. And I'm ruined. I'm ruined. And he fell on the floor. And he said, oh, I dwell in a people. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the people in uncleanness, and I am ruined. And then what happened? 
an angel took a coal from the burning fires of this holy place and touched Isaiah's lips and says, your sin has been removed. And then he heard this voice, God saying, who will go for us and share all about what we want to say and who we are? And Isaiah says, send me. And he says, go. And God went with Isaiah. You see, nothing in us can qualify us to carry, be carriers of the presence of God. But Isaiah, when he recognized that there was nothing in him, God stepped down. What are the conditions? Not our strength, it's not our holiness. Remember Saul on the Damascus Road, trying to kill all the Christians who followed Jesus? And in that moment, he was arrested by Jesus. Remember Peter, when Jesus called him to follow him and be with him and he with him? And Peter on his knees says, Oh, depart from me, Lord, because I am an unholy and clean man. And Jesus kind of ignored it and says, Follow me, Peter. We're going to hang out and I make you fishers of men. So, what are the conditions? Well, it says in the passage we've read. I dwell with the contrite of heart. Well, that word in the Hebrew means a number of things. One, it means to be crushed. It's actually to be crushed like powder or like dust. If you're crushed to the point like Isaiah where you think, oh, gosh, I'm just... I'm just not up to this. I just don't have what it is. When you compare, I just don't have it. Broken and crushed and contrite. Israel was like that um, under the slavery of the Egyptians. It can be something where we look into our own hearts and we feel undone, like Isaiah, or we can be crushed by others or circumstance of life or the world that we live in. And Israel were so crushed under the cruelty of the slave drivers. And God said to Moses at the burning bush, I've heard their cry and I have come down. See that? I've come down. From this high place has come down to deliver them, to bring his presence to them. Hagar, the slave of Abraham and Sarah, who gave birth to Ishmael, after there was a Conflict with the home, Sarah says, get rid of this slave girl and this son, Ishmael, because he was tormenting Isaac and tormenting Sarah because Sarah was still barren. Now she'd had a baby by Abraham and she wanted her out of the tents or out of her home and Abraham got rid of her with a water bottle, sent her into the desert basically to die and she put her little son over here and she went behind a bush to cry because she couldn't bear to look at her son's death in the desert as the water had run out. And then God visited her. He says, the God who sees visited her in that rejected, desperate situation. He came down and 
presence himself and visited her in her weakness and her rejection. Maybe you feel crushed by rejection. Maybe you crushed by the hardship and the burden and the difficulty of life. Maybe you feel crushed by your own sense of inadequacy. Because to be contrite also means to be sorrowful for our own sin. To be sorrowful for our own inability to live as we want to and live as we should in the light of God's complete holiness. Maybe you feel like that, like Isaiah. But he says, God doesn't reject the contrite. He comes to live with you. Isn't that wonderful? He comes to live with you. Everything we would think that would say, let's push God away, actually he looks at our hearts and says, no, I'm going to step in. The prodigal son and the story of the loving father illustrates this in Jesus' parable of the son who just went off and squandered every good thing the father had given, but every day he was looking to see if his son would return. And when he says, says the son came to his senses, basically he saw himself for who he was and says, gosh, even the servants in my father's house are better off. I will rise and I will go home and I will say, father, I've messed up and I've sinned. And what was the father's reaction who just squandered everything? Every single day, he stepped out of his front door, so to speak, on his veranda, looking to see if his son would return. And as soon as he saw the, the slight figure of his son in the distance, he didn't wait for him to turn up and grovel. He rushed to him, running. And it was a very undignified thing for ancient fathers to run. Ancient fathers were like farmers. They don't run. It was a very undignified thing for him to run. But he ran and, he, and before the son could get the words out of his mouth, he put his arms around him and reclothed him and restored him. This is what our father is like. This is what God is like, to bring his presence to us continually. So he, he comes to dwell with the contrite. That's you and me. He says, also with the humble. The humble is the one who is dependent and not self-reliant. The humble is the one that says, do you know what? I haven't got it all worked out and I haven't got it all sussed out and, I don't, and I'm not the full package and I never will be. In fact, I really am dependent upon others. Humble. Don't have to be right. You know, humble people admit that they're wrong. Proud people hate to be shown to be wrong. Humble people are dependent people. Humble people are not self-reliant people. Humble people are trusting people. Their confidence is in God, not themselves. He comes to the humble. So he comes to us and we receive him. 
He journeys with us and we wait for him. And because this is his nature, what do we do? We seek his presence continually. Because the one who is far off continually comes to us. And what does he do for the contrite and the humble? It says, I've come to the contrite and the humble and I dwell with them to revive them. Now, the Hebrew word in that scripture we've just read is this. Um, It means to sustain life, to live on or upon. He comes to live on you. He comes to live upon you. He comes to live in you. He comes to quicken you. He comes to revive you. And the actual Hebrew is from sickness, from discouragement, from faintness, from death. He comes to restore your soul, as Sean was talking about. He restores your soul. That's what he does. And we continually need to be restored. We do. Our minds, our hearts, our emotions, our spirit, our bodies continually need to be restored. And that's what he does. He comes to you to replenish and restore because you're back on your feet again. To fill your tank again. To remove, to, to sustain your mind and your heart and your spirit and your well-being. So in the light of that, today, in the light of who God is and the light of his nature, there are, there are no barriers So let's finish where we started. Remove the barriers. Clear the road. There are no barriers. You are not disqualified. This transcendent, unreachable, holy, completely other, causeless cause that is incomparable and is so, his light is so great you couldn't approach it His holiness is so amazing, you can never measure up to it. He has taken the initiative to remove the barriers so that you can have his presence continually. And you say, oh, I'm not competent, I'm not strong, I'm not good enough. No, that qualifies you. (laughs) Knowing that qualifies you, being ruined and undone and wretched, 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 qualifies you. Paul says this. The good I do, I don't. And the bad I don't want to do, I do. And then he says, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Oh, wretched man that I am. To the human mind, we think, oh, I'm wretched, so I'm not qualified. How can I know the presence of God? No, Acknowledging that you are wretched (laughs) qualifies you. He comes to you. Oh, I can't do it on my own. I never do it on my own. I'll never, ever, 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 ever be able to do it on my own. That makes, that's humble. Qualifies you. Barriers removed. Stones taken out of the road that get in the way. Leveled up, clear, so Christ, the presence of God, the spirit of God, the one who tapnels, the one who lives in a holy place, comes to us and comes to you. So never 
Never de be demotivated to seek your presence because of your condition, your environment, your circumstance, your challenge. Seek his face continually. Embrace contrition and humility. Position your heart for trust and welcome. And he will come to you. He will revive you. He will restore you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will recalibrate you. He will recreate you. And he will fill you. Then what he will do? And then he'll send you. To represent him. The one who is unreachable, you become his ambassador, his representative. So let's stand. Put your hands on if you're comfortable. And in this moment, if you're online watching and in this room, why don't you just say, Lord, I recognize my need of you. I acknowledge my, Bible calls it sin or imperfection or wrongdoing or state of heart, whether it's been mind or motives or things said or done. I also realize that I can never match up to you or live this life in a manner that is comparable to you. So come to me again with your presence to heal my broken heart and to revive me and to renew me. Come to me again with your mercy to cleanse me and clothe me in your righteousness. And come to me again to fill me that I may bring, be a presence bringer wherever I go. Just pray that in your own heart now and I'll pray for you. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. Holy, 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 three in one, come to us now. The one who is transcendent and lives in eternity and is before all things. Come and dwell with us again. Fill us. Rest upon us. Open our hearts to your presence. And send the reviving presence of God. Reviving presence of God. Every heart that is burdened and crushed and feels overwhelmed, I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen and renew 
every heart that is sorrowful, regretful, I pray that you'll reassure. Every heart that is wounded with the burdens and with the wounds of this world and rejection and sorrow and pain from feeling misunderstood or unloved in this world, whatever circumstance it is, carrying the wounds of rejection. You know what that's like, Lord. I pray you'll come and heal those wounds with your love and your acceptance. Every heart that feels helpless and hopeless and powerless, I pray that you'll come with your power and your deliverance and with fresh hope and freedom. And every heart that is fearful, breathe your peace and your love. And may no one walk out of this room or switch their devices off watching online without being reassured that you love them, you're for them, you embrace them, and they're secure in you through faith in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.